everybody. I'm Calvin Freitas. Welcome to Calvin Has a Podcast, the show where I talk about software engineering, business, user interfaces, user experiences, and at times more serious and important things like cool bands I've listened to since college and fighting for real world change that makes a difference in the lives of other humans, which is a super important thing for us to be thinking about. Um, so I've got David Zock on the on the Zoom call today with me. Uh, really glad to have you here, David. It's good to be on here, and it's good to, to have music mentioned as something that's more important than engineering, although I think they're both important in their own ways. <laughs> oh, for, for sure. I mean, all, all the code that powers everything we're doing these days to connect with each other online, you know, that, that powers a lot, but then the, the music is such an experience to be a part of, to listen to, both both with other people, but even even when we're sitting you know, alone or with our families in our houses, it's still such an important thing. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so David, uh, so you're part of a band called Remedy Drive. Uh, you guys have been going for quite a while now. Can you tell me a little bit about the band and how you got started with it? Well, we started in high school and then we started playing free concerts in college all over campus we would put up these posters that had my little brother, Paul, he was still like in junior high school and then a freshman in high school when we were playing shows when I was in college. We'd put his face on these posters. We put up thousands of posters and like table tents, he put in the dorm, the dorms, the little advertisements for free concerts in the quad or, so that's how it all started. Uh, we played at sororities. I think you saw us first at a sorority. Um, and then it just built from there. We started getting invitations. We took every invitation we could. Started getting paid a little bit. After college, I had a mathematics degree. Um, I didn't know what to do with it. But within a few months, we decided to go full-time with the band. That's, that's exciting. Um, and then, you know, as far as the content of your music, like, you know, what did you start out with there? And how, is that, how has that kind of changed? And how have you... Uh, you know, how have you grown over the years with your band? Well, someone described us as a recovering jam band. <laughs> and I, I, I hadn't listened to the live album that was recorded in that time period when we met for a long time until we released it publicly again, because it was just, we only made like two or 3,000 copies, sold them all, and then it's been expired. But we put it up digitally recently. But, you know, if you were listening to music at the time, Dave Matthews and Fish were around. Um, what are the bands like that? But then the Red Hot Chili Peppers and U2 were also huge influences at the time. Yeah. Uh, so there's the crazy, real busy bass guitar from Philip, guitar solos, extended jams. Uh, but then as, as we started growing, I started to love bands like U2 and Coldplay and The Killers and brought in a lot of my roots from Keith Green, who's a piano player. Uh, and then we grew up listening to acapella all the time too. So all of that has influenced us and has stylistically has moved us in a, in a direction. Lyrically, early on, I was writing a lot of some of my favorite little one-liners from the, some of the prophets and scripture and some of, some of the epistles and uh, especially the the the, epoch, the, the, the uh, book of Revelation and, and Christian scripture was uh, responsible for so much of the lyrics, so much of the thought. I was really fascinated with that that stuff early on, and just this post-apocalyptic type 
you know, standing in the, in the rubble of, you know, so I use a lot of imagery from there to talk metaphorically about hope in the midst of darkness. Yeah. Hope's, hope's not giving up, right? That's yeah. one of your songs. Yeah. And it moved in that direction. It moved from being a real, real direct kind of like at the beginning we thought, and, and I, I like what we did at the beginning. We, we really tied in a lot of, scripture to our lyric but then i wanted more people to be impacted by the music than just people that had the same worldview as i did and even myself later on in life having my worldview change and shift and evolve and um we tried to we tried to make it so that more people could access it so we wrote hope's not giving up daylight is coming all along i was looking for something else mm -hmm. yeah and so um you know something that that I've definitely seen come out in your more recent albums is, you know, this emphasis on, uh, you know, fighting for real world impact, real world change, and really helping people come out of dark situations into better places in their lives. So, yeah, tell me a, a little bit about you know, how, how you got started with that, and then we can kind of segue into talking about, uh, you know, the work that you're doing with Exodus Road. Well, music has always been a force for change. At the very least, a change in my heart and the dynamics of my heart and the hearts of listeners. It's always, it's always served a purpose for, for bringing people together under different banners, you know? And I didn't realize that. And I, I think in my mind, I've always minimized the importance of music for movements, for revolutions, for causes and always thought that it's kind of cliche, kind of is cliche, you know what I mean? Rock and roll being tied to, uh, you know, world peace movements or protest era, war protest songs. Um, but I wanted to, I have the belief that if we can sing something together at 110 decibels and it's true and it's gonna resonate, it's gonna be contagious, it's going to uh, change the way Music has changed the way I look at things. Seriously, it has. Musicians have had an impact on me and people want to tell us to shut up and sing, but there's been too many musicians that have impacted my worldview and I, I want to continue standing on the shoulders of those melodies to pass on that hope that I've been given by other musicians. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then recently you've been working on this kind of three album series on, on this theme. Um, let's see, I think that started with uh, Commodity and then North Star. Uh, you know, so what, you know, what have you been trying to achieve through those albums specifically? And, and can you tell me about, uh, yeah, tell me about that. Does that question make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Commodity was, a, was our first album in a series of three to shine a light on slavery. And it was inspired by a documentary, to be honest, uh, made by a group called Invisible Children that used their camera lens to shine a light on slavery. And that inspired me, seeing this organization, really it wasn't an organization, it was, it was some kids from San Diego that went over and realized on a trip that a warlord was kidnapping kids and enslaving them, forcing them to fight this evil 
civil war for an awful general named Joseph Coney. And I, I was so inspired. I was like, these guys are using what they love to do. They love videography, but they're using their camera lens and they're pointing the camera on this issue and they're bringing it to light. And it impacted me profoundly. It impacted my daughter. She cried. She says, dad, why not God protect those boys? And as I see this impact, I'm like, man, I have, I have a currency, the currency of my band, the currency of my songs. What if I spend this currency in the way these, these guys have spent their currency? And so I started writing this, the album Commodity. And it was in that time period that Matt Parker from an organization called the Exodus Road that fights against slavery. He was a fan of the band ever since the, the 2008 when, when Daylight came out. And he came to Nashville looking for bands that were going to talk about the work of the Exodus Road. And the Exodus Road were an organization that finds and frees slaves, especially children stuck in the sex trade. And in this amazing moment of convergence in this time of my life, when I'm writing about justice and mercy and compassion, uh, writing specifically about slavery and children being kidnapped and the, 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 the sisters of these boys that are forced to fight, at the age of eight, their sisters are forced to be the child brides of generals. And when I'm meeting with Matt, I'm like, Matt, I'm already writing about this stuff. How can I join you? And that was amazing. Uh, I've never seen such a, such a two paths merge like that, Exodus Road and Remedy Drive. And the North Star was our follow-up, named after the abolitionist newspaper by Frederick Douglass, who, uh, harnessed um you know slaves in the united states of america would look to the north star to find their freedom to run north hoping that there would be somebody that would disobey the fugitive lace the the, the law the fugitive yeah. slave law that looking for someone that would be loving enough to break the law for them but the north star was coded into slave songs and uh the Big Dipper, if you look at Big Dipper, the last, these two stars in the Big Dipper, if you take those two stars on the handle and go five times that distance, you'll find the North Star in the night sky. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just love all the, the symbolism in that, um, in that. So that we named our second album that. The third album is going to be called Imago Amor, and that's coming out in 2020, late 2020. Oh, that's, that's exciting. Looking forward to the new album. Um, yeah, the, the lyrics for Polaris, I've, I've got a snippet of that written out here. Um, so yeah, run wild against the tide, chariots of fire on the hillside, breathe free, it's who you are, guided by the fires on the North Star. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's great imagery. I mean, especially when you tie it to what you're talking about, too. Uh, yeah. you know, the Underground Railroad, searching for freedom, uh, that hope that that people have, um, you know, of, of reaching that freedom. Uh, it, it's great lyrics. And then, you know, to, to pair that with like real world action, like you're doing working with the Exodus Road, I think that's, you know, that's something that's inspiring to me. And I want it to be inspiring. And that, I like it that you brought that song up, Polaris, because I write another thing that's based off of Invisible Children guys using their camera. And my friend, Jeremy Cowart, that uses his art and the way you're using your uh, podcast today. So I, I say you use your pen when you don't have a sword. You got your fingertips on the keyboard. You've got the sphere of influence. You got the sphere of your influence and nobody else has got your fingerprints. It's the string that's pushed 
It's the note that bends. It's the light that's bleeding out through your camera lens. You got your voice, so sing it out, my friend. The song of freedom at 110. So everything we've been talking about up to this point is distilled in that second verse of that song. Yeah, that's, it's great. Um, yeah, and so how, you know, how has that work been going and how has being involved with Exodus Road been changing you as well as, you know, what's, what's some of the impacts that's come out of your involvement there? So the Exodus Road, for anybody that doesn't know, we fight against slavery. We use spy cameras, we use undercover gear. Uh, we have amazing uh, forensic software. We have uh, cameras, all sorts of different tools and techniques that we use to go in and spy on criminal networks that are trafficking children and, and sometimes grown women too. And the work, is difficult work. It's hard to be in these places. I thought I would just sing about it, but I spent a lot of time overseas, um, which I haven't been able to, so I'm getting antsy for the last six months. I, but January, I was in Southeast Asia. December, I was in Latin America. I've been on 13 or 14 deployments so far with the Exodus Road. And when I joined in 2013, we had rescued maybe 200 people from slavery and right now we've been part of rescuing close to 1500 survivors of trafficking and helping to oh, wow helping to arrest like seven or eight hundred traffickers too and so it's heavy work it's hard to sit with someone that's underage it's hard to pretend to, to be a customer can never come out of character we uh, get actionable evidence that we can use to partner with law enforcement to make raids on the establishments that are selling people against their will. And then we go back and do a sting operation and rescue and arrest. Yeah, yeah I mean, one word that you said uh, there is, is heavy. I mean, this is some, you know, this is hard stuff to do, right? It sounds really difficult. It's difficult to, to see the world for what it is. And I'm still in denial, I think like a lot of us are. We, we want the world to be one way and we think it could be. And it's, I'm hesitant to realize, no, this is how it is for most people. Most people are desperate, struggling to survive and are very vulnerable to the lies that are told by traffickers, especially with so much displacement. At this, this time in history, there's not only more slaves than any other time in human history, there's four, 40 million people impacted by slavery. But on my watch and on your watch, there's more people displaced from their homes. than Like any refugees other. and that, yeah. that type of thing? Yeah, refugees, whether it's political refugees or refugees uh, because of the demand for cocaine in the United States of America, it wreaks havoc on communities in Central America and in South America. Um, and the same goes for, if, if you pay attention to the lyric in the song Warlike, the same goes for the Colton mining using children in, in the Congo. A lot of my refugee friends from the Congo know that these devices that we're on all the time have played a role in their misery. And so you have desperate people that, that are forced to make desperate decisions. They don't have options and they try to pick the best of two really awful options. And sometimes 
that means getting on a boat with a stranger, trying desperately to keep your family together in that scenario, and knowing that that boat captain might be extorting your family at high amounts of money to bring you to freedom and safety, or he might be a trafficker. And oftentimes there's traffickers that are exploiting several factors, exploiting the fact that there is this, uh, there are these vulnerable people running from conflict, running from war, running from starvation, but also exploiting the fact that many um, governments in the world, including the United States government, have allowed for whatever reason their, their, um, their laws on immigration to be broken and to be uh, inhumane oftentimes and unmerciful. And so that's what we're up against. Yeah, it's a big challenge. Um, and then, so I, I know that you, you know, in addition to being there uh, on these raids and doing these things, there's some things that, that your band does as far as the items that you sell on your store to help out some of the, the victims of, of slavery and trafficking once they get out of it. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So one of the questions I get all the time, which is a great question, is like, what happens to these girls once they're rescued? And I love this organization that I get to be part of, the Exodus Road, because we have social workers that are there to help bring these survivors along their journey of freedom, because being rescued is the, is the beginning of a journey of freedom. And we have other organizations that we're in partnership with, with the Exodus Road, that the Exodus Road helps funds that help provide aftercare. Uh, and aftercare needs to be rehabilitation. It's going to be art therapy. It's going to be trauma therapy. It's going to be sometimes equestrian therapy with horses here in the States. It's going to be um, repatriating. I meet so many girls in Southeast Asia from, from like Uzbekistan or Russia or Uganda or Kenya or Nigeria that they've had their passport taken from them. So they're illegally in the country that they're in and the, and the traffickers know that. So they don't have anybody to run to. They'll run to that country's equivalent of ICE and end up in a detention, sim, you know, a detention facility, similar to the detention facilities or a lot of times more humane than the detention facilities on our Southern border. So they don't have anybody to turn to. So we have partnerships with organizations that specialize in that sort of uh, law that can get them back to their home country without any sort of penalty because they're not they're not criminals they've been trafficked and we do uh, to be fair we do have a, a v a v visa in the United States of America um, but it's hard for for victims to get that status especially in the last two or three years it's very hard for victims of human trafficking to not be um, really treated unmercifully at the hands of law enforcement in most countries. And so we partner with Aftercare. I'm, I'm, I keep on getting off topic because you asked me the very specific question. Yeah, that's all good. We partner with people that have these specialties, not just somebody who's like, oh, she needs a hug. Somebody that has the training that knows what happens to somebody when they've been hurt to this degree and knows how to help them through their journey. And so some of the things they have, one, to give them temporary transitional employment, two, to help fund the organizations doing this work is some, some of the organizations make my t-shirt, the one I'm wearing, they cut, they sew, they stitch it, they screen print it, which I got to see our shirt designs on top of, on top of those uh, 
what are they called? They're the, 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 the screen printers or exactly. Yeah. The screen printer yeah. screens. Yeah. And then seeing them push that ink over the screen and uh, uh, one, one organization in particular teaches girls in addition to some of these other crafts, like making bracelets and making buckle pants and elephant pants and little elephants. They also teach them to decorate cakes, which uh, I moonlight as a cake, cake decorator just for my kids and my nieces yeah. and nephews. Nice. But that is awesome. A girl that used to be being sold for sex against her will now gets to make cakes for dignitaries, for weddings, for really awesome to see that change. Uh, state of the art culinary arts facility. So I love these heroines that are running these facilities. They're so loving. They're so long suffering. I want to be like them. So I got to take my whole family over and my family got to meet a lot of these women that are, that are involved in this work. And I got to see a lot of survivors, some of them the same age as my children, nine, eight, 15. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's hard to, uh, that's hard to think about that people, you know, that young are dealing with those kind of problems. Um, yeah. You know, that, that, I mean, that, that's just gotta be a really emotional thing. Like just thinking about it makes me kind of upset. Uh, yeah. And, but I mean, it's, I, I think it's what Exodus Road is doing, like the, the fact that they're, you know, bring, bringing hope and actually bringing about some, some actions that are getting people out of the situations and then, then helping them get to some semblance of a, you know, quote unquote, normal life. I mean, that's, that's so good. It's so good to to see that happening. I mean, especially the numbers you said, like fifteen hundred people. That's a huge accomplishment. I think the you know, but there's there's still there's there's always more work to do, right? Fifteen hundred is a good start, you know. And forty million is a big number. And I'm alive today, and I could choose to do nothing. I have. And somebody listens to do nothing with the little bit of power they have, but I would rather choose to do a little bit than nothing. And that's my goal for people that hear my songs or hear interviews like this. I want them to do a little bit. I don't know what that means for you. Use your podcast, use your camera, use your melody. Yeah. Yeah. Influence is, is one of the things we can use. So that's, you know, that's why I wanted to have you on the show just yeah. to, to tell a bit of your story, talk a little bit about the band and the things that you're doing, because I, I think this is, you know, important work to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, so something I think about a lot is like, how do I love my neighbor as myself? What does that look like? And, um, you know, like the, these kind of things are practical ways that we can help people out addressing their real world problems. Um, you know, the spiritual stuff I think is really important too, but you know, definitely need to meet physical needs of people, especially when they're stuck in really horrible situations. You know, that's, that's really important to interpose and, uh, you know, help people out in every way that we can. I see, and this would be a, a five hour discussion if we had time for it, but I see a very clear instruction from Hebrew and Christian scripture that takes what you said, love your neighbor as yourself, you see that expanded on by the prophets in some of the epistles and in several of the parables. Um, 
And then you see a separate mandate for, for spreading the good news. But the good news, according to Isaiah, and in the first public appearance of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, he said, he said, the spirit of the Almighty is upon me. And he's quoting the ancient prophet Isaiah. Spirit of the Almighty is upon me, and I've been anointed to proclaim good news to poor people, to proclaim freedom to the captives, liberty to the prisoners, and a restoration of dignity to the oppressed and the downtrodden. And so the first public words attributed to, to a man claiming to be the son of God that changed the course of history had to do with slavery. He, came, he said very clearly, I've, I've come to abolish it permanently. And in this new kingdom that's been set up, it, it, it's, it's not part of the new kingdom. But in the new kingdom also, it's, and if I want the will of that kingdom to be done on planet earth as it is done in the kingdom of the heavens, what does that look like? Does that look like waiting around for a day when slavery is gone? No. But in the day when slavery is but a mere memory, they're going to look back and they're going to remember a time when the righteous rose up out of their indifference. And I just want to be part of that group of people that have decided, even though slavery has been going on ever since the earliest writings that we have discovered so far, there's been slavery there. Right. The most immoral thing you can do to another human being, own them. And all that means, that degrading, dehumanizing, violent attack against the image of the maker in a fellow human being. It's always been going on, but there's always been a few people that withstood it. You know, I just did an interview with the Free Methodists, like their network, mm. and they, they branched off because they weren't okay with being politically neutral on such an important morality topic back in the day. And yeah. some might call me a, a historiast, which is like a negative way to say, well, you weren't there, so you can't judge people based on their time. Well, man, Frederick Douglass was there. Harriet Tubman was there. William Wilberforce was saying, now that you've seen it, you, can't, you can still continue to do nothing, but you can't say that you didn't know. And at the same time, Thomas Jefferson saying, yeah, I know it's bad, but I can make 4% a year if I own a human. So I'm going to keep on doing it for 20 years after I wrote George Washington and said, this is evil. This is really evil. But then not only did I participate, I made a ton of money in doing so. I failed to take care of the families. They got separated when I died. Like there's that guy, yeah, that said some great things, but did some other things. I hope my heart and what I say is going to match the way I decided to live when my days are done. Yeah, it's, uh, it's easy to think things. It's harder to do things. So, you know, having, having our deeds match our, our words like that's that's super important like like yeah. you said i mean it would be really hard back then like the only way to have any influence would be to own a lot of people you know that's the only way anybody had any influence really and wealth and it's been that way i mean it's the way it was in the roman empire uh but there's always been everywhere you look there's been there's been motives let's see a fire and they won't look away he was reluctant yeah. seems like most of us have been reluctant too oh yeah i don't know what to say next after that <laughs> <laughs> um so what's I, uh you know what's what's the next thing for you i mean you're you're gonna stay involved you're gonna keep doing what you're doing i mean you know, is, is there anything you want to do that, that's new or 
or different or is it just continuing down this path of, of doing the work, just being there, sharing with other people about it? I wish I could scale what I'm doing. Uh, like I wish we could pour $200,000 into marketing our next album mm. because with, when we left the record deal, when we left the record labels, we lost a lot of momentum because we didn't have the millions of people that were hearing the music every week anymore because we didn't have songs on the radio like we did during that time period. Yeah. But without being able to do it, like right now, I'm trying to get on a bunch of podcasts because I'm not playing concerts because I want to talk about the Exodus Road. I want to tell people if you text REMEDY to 51555, you'll get an update when we rescue people from slavery. And those are my friends doing it. So if you text REMEDY to 51555, you'll get a text on your phone that says five girls rescued in Thailand, a family rescued in India, three minors rescued in Latin America. It's awesome. And wow. without concerts, you know, with concerts, I was telling that to hundreds or thousands of people a week last year. And now that we don't have concerts, I'm just trying to get creative. How can I continue to get the music out, to get this message about the Exodus Road out? And when we're able to come out of this time period, this pause that we're taking for a year, maybe, maybe a year and a half, uh, get back on the road and just keep on doing this. I wish I could tour with a bigger band maybe push a song on the radio. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah I, scaling is something I think about a lot, um, you know, more from a tech perspective than a marketing yeah. perspective. But, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's some things that I've found really interesting just seeing, seeing both your band and other bands, uh, you know, try new things during, uh, you know, during the quarantine and, and all this stuff that's going on. Um, I, I thought when you were doing those those Facebook shows and, and doing the live streams earlier in lockdown, yeah. you know that that's something that meant a lot to me. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about about nostalgia and just being able yeah. to hear some of the old songs again and and all of that. But um, but yeah, I mean, both you know, I've seen bands like Amberlynn, they're replaying like full sets of their old albums, like ten dollar yeah. shows, you know, that kind of thing, and. Um, you know, other bands trying Twitch and things like that. Uh, so there, there's a lot of new technology that I think it's kind of fun to see bands try those things. And some of that's just to, you know, support their bands, support their families. But I um, mean, there's probably some things to think about and consider trying there potentially for, for Remedy Drive, as well as just figuring out like, you know, obviously there's social media can have a lot of reach, but I mean, it, it, it's hard because so much of social media is about like capturing either the latest outrage or like a yeah. lot of selfies. So, so finding something that resonates can be challenging there. But um, I wish one of our fellow tech nerds listening could figure out, and this is my idea for it. I don't know, like, do all our phones, like if there was a way to set a trigger so that at the downbeat of a minute, that everybody who's listening separately, if the band's in different areas, that that puts a marker down so that we could start a click track, so we could play in time to the click track. Mm. So between songs, do a marker that starts. So as long as it starts at the same time for each person, then we're starting at the same time, but then there'd have to be a delay so that it can take all of those. And if they get off just a little, say there's four of them, right? So they're when they get sent through to wherever they need to get aligned to that snap 
before the broadcast goes out. So yeah. even if there's a 10 second delay, like that should be here by now. Like someone should have designed that by now. So we can play long distance and have it. I, I hear you. That would be, that'd be awesome. I think that's a little bit beyond my capabilities, but I, <laughs> I would love to see that because if that means, you know, your band can, can play some full sets, then that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I will do a live stream. We'll do a, we'll probably do a live stream, maybe even at my house with the full band soon. So keep your eyes peeled. No, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, you know, I, I continue to enjoy Remedy Drive music. Uh, it's been really great catching up with you today, hearing more about the Exodus Road. Uh, you know, as far as spreading the word about Exodus Road, like what's, you know, what's the most useful thing that that people can do to help support that minute that organization well post posting about it is helpful you know but sharing your personal connection to it as you post is even better because people have so much coming across their feed um bring bringing it up in conversation if people are in, there's a lot of people that are talking about trafficking right now so saying hey i know this organization i research it there's a guy that i trust that believes in it that's that's behind it um just telling people how they can support because there's a lot of organizations doing great stuff. Um, and we're all in need. We're all out, out financed by the, by the mobs that we're spying on. Right. So financing this work is a big deal. Helping send investigators, my friends that are nationals in the countries that I work in, that I've become friends with under the fire together. Mm -hmm. uh, they're out, they need funds, they need help, they need technology, technology breaks, they need vehicles, and that's what we're helping to support. So just bringing it up in everyday conversation as weird as it is, it's not even weirder than bringing it up from stage at a rock concert, so. Yeah. <laughs> it can help us that way. For sure. I'll, I'll be sharing about it as I, as I post uh, this show on social media, so I'll, I'll do that a little bit, uh, and hope, hope it makes some difference. It makes um, a difference. Yeah. Well, David, really uh, appreciate you being on. Uh, we, we can chat real briefly afterwards, but I'll go ahead and wrap up the show now. So yeah, any, any last words you have for our viewers and listeners? Um, thanks, for, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, hope maybe uh, if you want to check out a few songs, you can get that live album for free on our website. Uh, the, one, the one that is nostalgic to Calvin, but then there's the new, the new ones too coming out. So Love to get that. The website's remedydrive.com. Exactly. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Calvin Has a Podcast. Thank you to our special guest, David Zock from Remedy Drive, supporting the Exodus Road. Have a great day. <laughs>